Welcome to Art of the Kickstart, your source for crowdfunding campaign success. I'm your host, Roy Morjan, president of Inventus Partners, the top full-service turnkey product development and crowdfunding marketing agency in the world. We have helped startups raise over $100 million for our clients since 2010. Each week, I'll interview a crowdfunding success story, an inspirational entrepreneur, or a business expert in order to help you take your startup to the next level with crowdfunding. Art of the Kickstart is honored to be sponsored by Gadget Flow. The Gadget Flow is a product discovery platform that helps you discover, save, and buy awesome products. It is the ultimate buyer's guide for luxury gadgets and creative gifts. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome to another edition of Art of the Kickstart. Today we are speaking with Peter Nevinglosky, co-founder of Drifter Spirits. So if you haven't heard of Drifter Spirits, uh, potentially it's because it's not on Kickstarter or Indiegogo. It's because it's on WeFunder, and they are actively running an equity crowdfunding campaign. And Drifter Spirits is unique because they're more of the accelerator for craft spirits. So I'm really excited to speak with Peter today about equity crowdfunding and where his invention or product line started. So Peter, thank you so much for joining us today on Art of the Kickstart. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so uh, I'm, a, I'm a, as we spoke offline, I'm a uh, connoisseur of bourbon, but I really appreciate all of the, uh, the craft spirits that are coming into this world along with the craft beers. So give our audience a little bit of education, if you would, in terms of the craft spirit market and then where all of this started with Drifter Spirits. Yeah, absolutely. So craft spirits, it's, it's good that you reference craft beer because the way that we look at it, craft beer is maybe 10 years ahead of craft spirits in terms of maturity. So you're talking about like a 15 share of beer. Craft spirits is about a 5% of total spirits. So there's a lot of runway there. It's been traditionally really, really owned by kind of big box brands, uh, but as consumer tastes are evolving, there's a huge amount of interest in smaller production, authenticity, where something comes from and all that. And so, you know, that's really what we're about with Drifter. And specifically as a sub bullet to that is consumer interest in categories that, you know, have been around for a long time, but are maybe just getting discovered. So we launched initially a cachaça, which is a Brazilian sugarcane spirit. We subsequently launched an aquavit, which is a Scandinavian spirit, both categories, almost 500 years old. So really new in the U.S., but globally have been around for a very long time. Yeah. So give me the inspiration behind starting the company. You know, what, what was the impetus there to get off your butt and begin a, a craft spirit company? Absolutely. Yeah. So my background's in marketing. I uh, did my MBA at NYU and uh, went to work for Danon or Danone, depending on where you are in the world. Was there for a few years with a focus on on, on brand marketing and a real uh, focus on innovation. So, you know, different types of products, but really the same insight as to how you think about building a concept, vetting that, bringing it to market and the like. Learned that I love products, didn't necessarily love the corporate environment. Spent a couple of years after that at Red Bull, so in beverage, but not in beverage alcohol, obviously, a bit more experiential, a bit more progressive in terms of marketing. But uh, myself and my co-founder, Nate Whitehouse, uh, who's a lawyer by trade, really just had a passion for spirits. We were living in New York City at the time, and the cocktail scene was exploding. And 
you know, new spirits were being discovered. Mezcal was really coming out of the woods, you know, again, hundreds of years old, but really new for, for the consumers there. So it was an exciting time and we were getting exposed to a lot of unique uh, spirits at the time. And that kind of just sparked an interest in digging in further. Talk about some of those challenges then in terms of just starting the company itself, you know, as things are exploding and you're seeing opportunities there. Uh, I think a lot of our audience is always seeing or trying to find the next trend and what it is. So what were you seeing in the marketplace that, that drove you to begin? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, again, just kind of seeing this, this consumer interest in both food and beverage, you know, we started looking at what was out there and, and where the gaps were. We were exposed to Cachaca at a small little Boteco in Williamsburg and kind of just wondered, you know, why have I never heard of this? You know, what what else is there? And traveled to Brazil and basically fell down a rabbit hole. So it was kind of a classic. There's 4,000 producers of this stuff plus in Brazil. It's the third most drunk spirit in the world by volume. We barely hit the tip of the iceberg in the US. So if we could simply find the best there and identify a way to communicate it and generate consumption in the US, that was an opportunity unto itself. So, you know, we came into it with with that idea. We traveled down to Brazil, spent six weeks tasting over 400 different cachaças uh, in different regions. So literally friend of friend of friend uh, took a week off, drove us around. You know, we showed up at spots and just tried to bumble our way through the communication. We then ended up sneaking 50 bottles back in a suitcase. 47 made it. Blind tasted those at bartender friends in New York. Fell in love with that produced by a third generation woman distiller down there. Her name is Katja. Her farm is about four hours outside of the city of Rio. And so she grows her own cane, produces a super sustainable really rustic, old school, high quality production process for it. And so we kind of found the product, if you will. And then it was about how do we, how do we build this to something meaningful in the market? How do we look at consumption and, and having something that is not just a me too to what else was out there? So we really looked at the main competitors, the biggest being LeBlanc, which is Bacardi owned now. They were hyper-focused on one drink, which is the Caipirinha. It's kind of the, the classic that people know. If you go down to the beach in Rio, you're going to have a Caipirinha. And so, and the brand was very evocative of kind of, you know, girls on the beach and soccer. And so we were like, hey, how do we build an antilog to this? How do we look at cocktails beyond the Caipirinha? How do we look at unique offerings in the age range? Like I mentioned the Ambarana to you when we were talking before, we have this range of unique age spirits. And then how do we package it in a way that is differentiated and engaging? So we really hearkened on this idea of 50s and 60s Rio, the start of Bossa Nova, the world discovering Brazil. And we developed a pack that is truly unique and a concept that was about going beyond the Caipirinha. That's kind of how we got the, the, the idea started. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm obviously new to the product launch side of a, uh, a spirit brand, but I would feel like this is something that truly takes a more influencer approach with the bartenders of the world to get the, the knowledge out there. 100%. And it's actually, we really look at 
the bartender, whether it's the Instagram bartender or the bar director or bar owner, as the person who they're the experts. And when they tell you something is good and compelling and they educate you on it, it's so much more impactful than when we do it, right? So we actually had the fortune, we had this kind of classic New York moment where we were at a coffee shop, we had a prototype bottle out with some juice in it. We were interviewing somebody and there's this guy kind of eyeing the bottle. And eventually I stand up and I just start talking and we end up talking for like 15, 20 minutes. Says he owned a couple bars. We talk about price point. He tastes the product, finds it interesting. But I didn't know who he was. So he wrote down his email and it was petrosky.sasha gmail. So Sasha Petrosky was one of the guys that started the cocktail movement, the renaissance that we're in. He owned a bar called Milk and Honey and subsequently other bars called Little Branch and Middle Branch and the like. And so it was kind of this amazing moment that could only happen by happenstance. So we ended up launching our product at Milk and Honey when he moved it to a different location. It was a construction zone. So we did three days for press and trade, three months before we actually launched. And it's just this incredible endorsement that if you know the guy, you would know that you couldn't pay him for that, right? It just he, it just resonated with him and he wanted to help. And, and so it, we ended up doing that. And so that was really an impetus to us getting our name out there in New York and in turn, you know, a number of other key markets with amazing bartenders who are really progressive and really knowledgeable. And we were lucky to have a lot of that community embrace what we were doing. That's amazing, man. In the New York minute, right? <laughs> so what, uh, what have been some of the bigger challenges that you guys have encountered when, when starting this brand? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that first of all, probably the biggest challenge in spirits is, is distribution route to market. And so we knew, we knew innovation, we knew marketing, and we had a really rigorous approach to bringing it out. What we had no idea is about the sales process, you know, the role of the distributor and the way in which business is done. We didn't come from the industry. So there is a mandated three-tier system in the U.S. with regard to spirits. It, those laws come out of prohibition. Each state has different laws related to that. So you can work with the same company in a different state and you're, you're almost working with an entirely different system. And so you literally have to launch each state as you would launch almost a new market. And you have to learn the ins and outs and make a compelling case to even access distribution, let alone get their sales reps motivated to, to sell your product. So you know, it took us six years of building that up to a point where we had access to 40 plus states. And we were working with very large distributors who had a focus in craft who we can get outsized influence from. But it was a very much a steep learning curve. And I think it's the reason that most craft spirits don't really move beyond a 20 mile radius from the production facility, because it, it requires a lot of effort, innovation, shoe leather, networking, et cetera to make that impact at a broader basis. And so that's kind of what we realized while it was the biggest challenge, having overcome that challenge, we realized that was the crux of what we truly had done. We had a, a beautiful brand that was well appreciated. We did 1.3 million in sales last year on Avoa, you know, great margins on it, uh, really kind of the leader in that space. But what we really owned was the route to market, the distributor relationships, the key account relationships. And so that 
provoked us into launching Spolaquavit and in turn the idea of building a portfolio now of eight to 10 brands under Drifter Spirits. Impressive, man. So let's let's jump into then the active equity crowdfunding campaign going on over at WeFunder. You guys have raised six figures, over 116,000 in capital raised just on that platform alone. Talk about the process of evaluating platforms, because I'm sure you had a few different choices, why you chose WeFunder and some of these steps that you took to launch the campaign with such great success. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we come into the pandemic doing this raise privately. And so the, the full raise is, is $750,000, 750000 We'd raised three hundred, and the pandemic hit, and it was kind of like, okay, what do we do here? Simultaneous with, we had a lot of people we wanted in on the deal, like bartenders, bar owners, you know, who maybe weren't writing larger checks, but were excited to be a part of what we're doing. So it was kind of an opportune time to do that. You know, we looked at and and had conversations with WeFunder, Seed Invest. Uh, Start Engine, Republic, those are the four, I guess, we looked at. And, you know, we've known people who've raised on all of those platforms and, and successfully on all of them. Ultimately, we've kind of felt WeFunder, you know, was was the lowest hanging fruit to execute it quickly with a wide network. You know, we liked some of the people we dealt with there. We actually, in the past, did a, a debt raise in that platform. So we had already done a lot of the legwork on building a profile. It was more of an update. So it kind of made the most sense for us to move quickly on that, you know, and I think as with a lot of these, and you're the expert beyond me, but, you know, it's about getting early interest from people who are connected, getting some momentum there, showing momentum uh, as you're continuing to get news that's exciting within the landscape of that. Talk about a little bit of the marketing prep work that you were able to do before the campaign launched. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you know, I think really we'd already prepped the deck, the story, et cetera. So it was more about how do you take a flat slide presentation and make that something compelling in terms of a video, in terms of, uh, you know, telling the brand story, but telling the business story as well. So it was kind of a combination of, understanding how to pull that apart and understanding which tools were more interesting versus others. Because, you know, we've got a ton of brand material with regard to Avla and Svol and, and telling that story. But then it was really about telling a concise business story about who Drifter is as kind of the accelerator, as you put it, and why it makes sense as a business that is one can generate cash in the short term and two can retain branded equity, so potential exitability in the medium to long term. So with all the marketing efforts that you've put forth, you know, on this WeFunder campaign, where have you seen the biggest return so far? You know, I, I think I think it's honestly probably with regard to personal network, getting the word out, you know, and, and that's a great thing about crowdfunding is that you can do that, right? You can you can post about it, you can widen the net. And then, you know, as well We've got some exciting innovation in the pipeline. So it's great to be able to simultaneously announce those efforts while also linking back to the race. So for example, uh, we signed a joint venture with the Orendine family. So they are one of the five original tequila families, the only current independent. Others are 
Cuervo, Sousa, the like, right? And we're going to be doing a project with them, which will be a rustic, old school style, super high quality tequila, and then an experimental range under the same brand umbrella. So being able to announce that and then track that back to, hey, get involved through a personal and kind of like also wider network of social media, we found was a really good result. Yeah, absolutely. So what's been the biggest thing or one nugget in terms of a takeaway of launching your equity crowdfunding campaign that could help out the, uh, the next entrepreneur out there? Yeah, I mean, I think you kind of hit on it is, is how do you really spend the time in the prep, you know, thinking about not just what your story is and the content, but also what the content flow from launch after is, because that is incredibly important is having news to generate and, and hit on to keep momentum, to keep people who've looked at it to come back and actually execute, right? What even, even friends who really support us and love us, you know, might open it up, look at it, have the intention of doing it, forget about it. And so creating a contact cycle and creating, you know, kind of a, a feedback loop with them and reaching back out in the right way is incredibly important. It's not just get it ready. It looks good. It's going to do the work itself, right? Absolutely. It is not the field of dreams. (laughs) They will come, right? (laughs) No, it's not. Yeah, unless you're giving away the booze for free, right? Then I think they might flow. But uh, otherwise, yeah. It's not a good business model. But people love asking. (laughs) Indeed. Indeed. Well, Peter, this has been amazing. This is uh, where we're going to jump into the launch round where I'm going to rapid fire a handful of questions at you. You good to go? I'm good to go. Let's do it. So what inspired you to be an entrepreneur? You know, my parents were entrepreneurs uh, and I guess I didn't know I had it in me. I kind of figured it out midway through college. I actually started a band with a friend and it was kind of like a, it was a hardcore, loud, you know, band. And I ended up being de facto band manager. I ended up kind of just jumping in, really enjoying like the problem solving aspect of it. The, how do we do this? Test this, learn that. And, you know, I guess, I guess it was just in me and, and subsequently did kind of some side project stuff for a while until I eventually jumped in. Nice. So if you could meet with any entrepreneur throughout history, who would you want to have a craft spirit with? Oh, wow. I mean, I guess, I don't know if he's an entrepreneur, but I guess he is. But Hemingway probably would be a really interesting character to have a, a cocktail with and also had a real love of rum, uh, which we can, I think, relate on. Of course. So what would have been your first question for him? I kind of think what, you know, what started it all as well, right? I'm always intrigued by that aspect of like, how did somebody end up where they are? Because I think almost no one necessarily laid out the path that they ended up on. You know, there's obviously intent and iteration, but I think it's it's very rare that somebody decides at 10 years old and ends up doing that, right? Yep. So what's your favorite cocktail? Oh, yeah, here's a good one. I really love this cocktail that we ended up doing at the launch with Sasha Petrosky. We called it the Pan Am. It was a little test a little contest we did within his his cocktail is a bar group using avla and barana. It's aged in this native wood in the teak family, so it's avla and barana in a stirred cocktail with orange curacao and dry vermouth. Really simple one 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 ratio. Stir it, 
looks like a clean martini, but it's incredibly complex and interesting with an orange twist. Mm, that sounds delicious. It's almost five o'clock. Let's there do you this. Go. <laughs> uh, any book you would uh, recommend to our listeners? Yeah, you know, I haven't fully digested it. My buddy from who owns Death & Co., Dave Kaplan, suggested this book, Traction, which I picked up the pandemic hit, but I'm really excited about the concepts within it and, and really adaptation. I kind of hate reading something without adapting it in the sense of this. So something I'm kind of like in the process of digesting and considering how we might implement. Nice. Yeah, definitely a good operating system for the entrepreneur right there, for sure. All right, last question, Peter. Uh, and I know this is your first equity crowdfunding campaign. So I'm interested to hear your take on what does the future of crowdfunding look like? You know, I think it's going to be more and more prevalent. I mean, people are getting more accustomed to and more interested in diversity of investment. So I'm excited about it. You know, I don't imagine this is going to be our last raise, whether it's within this venture or some other venture. I think it's a great way to get it out there. So I think it's going to keep expanding. I think, you know, platforms will be more platforms will arise. I think there's kind of been, I, I've sensed the carrying capacity issue at WeFunder, honestly, um, in terms of their resources and the number of things that are, you know, in the six fig figure universe at any one time. So I'm interested to see how that expands and how maybe some of these platforms become a little more specialized in terms of industry verticals and things like that. Absolutely. Well, Peter, this has been awesome. Uh, this is your opportunity to give our audience your pitch, tell people what you're all about, where people should go and why they should check you out. Absolutely. So uh, Drifter Spirits is an accelerator for craft spirits. We're taking two brands that we currently operate, scaling uh, to eight to 10 brands over the next five years with the intent of a $10 million plus business that'll spin off over two and a half to the bottom line. We have some really nice terms with a fair valuation. On WeFunder, it's a minimum $500 investment. We're going to be live for the next uh, through the end of September, so the next few weeks. But it, it's a really exciting space. We've got a really efficient model and some, some truly interesting innovation um, that, we're, that we're building onto the platform. Awesome. Well, audience, thanks again for tuning in. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com for the notes, the transcript, links to the campaign and everything else we talked about today. And of course, thank you to our crowdfunding podcast sponsors, The Gadget Flow and Product Hype. Peter, thank you so much for joining us today on Art of the Kickstart. Great being on. Really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Art of the Kickstart, the show about building a business, world, and life with crowdfunding. If you've enjoyed today's episode, awesome. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com and tell us all about it. There you'll find additional information about past episodes, our Kickstarter guide to crushing it, and of course, if you love this episode a lot, leave us a review at artofthekickstart.com slash iTunes. It helps more inventors, entrepreneurs, and startups find this show and helps us get better guests to help you build a better business. If you need more hands-on crowdfunding strategy advice, please feel free to request a quote on inventuspartners.com. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you again next week.